Meet Dr. Frank King, the founder of King Bio, a local manufacturer of natural products since 1989 here in Asheville. For over 40 years, Dr. King has been helping people and pets overcome chronic, recurring, and so-called incurable ailments by following simple, natural, and safe remedies and principles. Dr. King's full range of natural products can be found online at kingbio.com or find select products in your local health food, Ingalls, CVS, and Walgreens stores. His book, The Healing Revolution, is available at kingbio.com. Kindle or Amazon.com. Welcome to the Healing Revolution on 880 The Revolution. Welcome to the Healing Revolution. The Healing Revolution on 880 The Revolution and 92.9 with Dr. Frank King. And Dr. King, it's good to be back, Mike, side with you again this week. Ah, thank you, Randy. And uh, oh, we are, everyone got their winter clothes out. Yeah. And uh, it is time to adapt. You know, some people, and we want to, I want to talk about this is a, adaption to weather and to our environment is so important to our health. The better we adapt to anything, whether it's temperature, uh, changes of humidity, uh, to stress, to dealing with, you know, EMF toxins, mm -hmm. uh, dealing all the changes that's going on in the 21st century is there's a, you know, a lot to adapt to. And we want to talk today and focus today on the weather changes since we've got the cold air now here and uh, seeing some freezing nights. And uh, we're going to talk about how we can adapt to the cold. You know, when you think about this, you'll find there's a certain number of people that just love the cold weather. You sure oh, do. Yeah. I love this. This this is my kind of weather. <laughs> I mean, someone else is saying, I hate this stuff. <laughs> you know, this is the worst. I can't stand this cold weather. I'm cold to the bone. Uh, you know, you know, I I've, I've, I've got to go to Florida. You know, right. I got to go to South America. I got to go to Australia. I mean, you know, we hear that during the election, but, you know, <laughs> here's a little more of it, you know, during the cold weather. That's that's right. Uh, That's right. So, uh, you know, we 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 really, you know, there's just quite a diversity, and it's about adaption. It's about how well can we adapt. There's really, you know, you look at history. The you know, if we don't adapt well, we die. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's simple. Mean, it's simple as that. <laughs> you know, those who don't adapt die. The dinosaurs couldn't adapt, but guess what? The bison did adapt. Yeah. They survived the Ice Age. You know, the Watusi adapted, and that's the prehistoric cow that's here today, why we raise them. You know, the you look at the skeleton of the bison, and you see these high spinous processes that stick up in the upper part of the thoracic spine, and just like the dinosaurs, because they are. You know, the Watusi have the same horns as the prehistoric cow, you know, the, from the African Watusi cow. They have the bifurcation in their spinuses where it comes out as two spinuses points instead of one. And the only, there's no other mammal on earth today that has that. And the only other mammals that had this was the dinosaurs. Really? So we see these direct connections, mm -hmm. the direct descendants, you know, that survived. And 
that's what we're looking at. That's why we promote this type of animal, uh, for whether it's the milk or the meats. Why camel milk? The camels uh, why the camel milk is so therapeutic. You know, camel milk is studies are showing where it's helping with uh, autism, which is a failure to adapt condition, by the way, which we'll get into on another show. But, you know, we'll see that, you know, camel milk and why it's so highly esteemed by those who grew up with camel milk. You know, and uh, we'll see that it's helped. You know, studies are showing where camel milk is helping with diabetes. Really? It's helping with hepatitis and even certain cancers. Wow. So this, the camel is what? You know, we hear, oh, it really can adapt it to the desert, right? And the people, you think, oh, no, the hump is not full of water, by the way. No, you know, it's no. a fatty hump that holds a lot of water. But it's got fat in it. But it is the camel just is able to adapt. Our camels love the heat and they love the cold. Isn't that interesting? That is interesting. You know, the camels, you know, were actually originated in America. I didn't know and that. During that ice age, they in that Bering Strait, that great mm-hmm. highway they talk about between uh, Europe and you know Russia in uh, in America today, that they actually left and got out of town here in America for some reason, uh, you know, and and they left and they migrated and ended up, you know, the single humped uh, dromedary camels ended up in Middle East, and the double humped Bactrian camels ended up in Asia. And they actually use those Bactrian double hump camels in Asia. They're so big and strong and woolly, and they adapted. They they do great in the cold in in the Himalayas, and they built. They use that camel to move these big stone to build the Great Wall of China. Wow. How about that? That's amazing. Maybe Trump can use them. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Wall builder. (laughs) But, you know, the issue is the camels can, uh, are just so adaptive. And the more that adaptative quality that the camels have, pass that on to those who consume their milk. And we see these broad spectrum of health benefits from those that are consuming just even as little as an ounce of camel milk a day, you know, or maybe an ounce twice a day in certain cases. So you don't need a lot, but a little bit of camel milk can really help improve people's health. That's why I'm excited about camels and why I have over 30 camels. Do you really? Yes. Over 30? Over 30 camels now. Right here yeah. in Leicester, North yes. Carolina. I said, yeah, this wonderful Middle Eastern boy fell in love with my daughter, and yeah, that's how I ended up with all these camels, right? That's just a story. Not to be, it's not true. Uh, but you know, but I so was impressed by camels and their adaptative ability that we added that to why you know our research and our work that we're doing uh, with camel milk, and just you know it is quite an amazing thing. So they those camels here in Western North Carolina 
are as happy as can be, whether it's hot and humid or cold and dry or cold and damp, they, they are happy. They don't, you know, they're not going in under shelters. They're out there saying, eh, it's all good. You know, kind of nice <laughs> for the change, isn't it? You know? Come on and out. Every day's hump day. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, they camels are just as happy-go-lucky and adapt so well. And, and are so, you milking those camels? We are. We're not commercially selling the milk yet. Right, right. But, um, you know, we... You know, learning to milk a camel, they got long legs. You don't have to bend over, but, you know, to milk them. You don't but, need a milking uh, stool. <laughs> no, no milking stool. You've been there before. Yes. And, uh, you know, and their tails are short, so you don't get swiped with a tail. You know, you've had that happen before, right? Many times. And those wet tails are not fun to be sw- swiped with. On a cold uh, morning. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, what's on those tails is not a friendly thing. You know, in your face (laughs) or any part of your body. Oh, we've been Uh, there. Oh, gosh. Drove me straight to a microphone. (laughs) (laughs) Forget the farm, man. I want the phone, Uh, the microphone. Uh, And so, uh, you know, but they've got some long legs now. So, you you know, those camels, you've got to, you know, work with them and train them. And we've done that. And it's been a wonderful experience. Uh, learning about camels over the last three years. Three years, okay. Three years now. So, uh, you know, but that's adaptative quality. Yeah. Bison, all the animals that we raise, for example, are of, you know, are animals that survived the Ice Age. Okay. And those also carry therapeutic qualities of adaptative qualities with them. And hence why we like the wild boar, you know, that we're working with right now. Since while we're kind of researching right now the uh, Australian emu, and that is, you know, traces back 85,000 years. And it even on its little wing that it can't fly or even flop this wing, really. <laughs> they kind of just stretch it out once in a while, a wee little wing. There's a actually a remnant of a dinosaur claw on the wing because they're now saying that even the T-Rexes and these dinosaurs did have some feathers. Interesting. So, you know, these are all unique animals, birds, things of this nature that we find therapeutic value. We all hear about the emu oil and how well that helps, you know, so many people claim it help with their arthritis or eczema, psoriasis. You know, so... We see these benefits all, you know, coming from these wild animals, these prehistoric animals, if you will. Same with the Himalayan yak that we raise, uh, building up quite a large herd that we're going to be launching. And this meat is so wonderful. For those of you that are meat eaters, um, get a chance to eat a nice young uh, Himalayan yak meat is just fabulous. It has the highest omega-3s of anything. Really? Uh, And so... Really quite fascinating uh, animals. Same with the elk is a prehistoric. Uh, and, 
And so that's why we do this type of research. And we have a nonprofit called the Wild Food Foundation Mm -hmm. to really find that these wild foods have these adaptative qualities that the domestic breeds don't have. We have been breeding domestic breeds of animals for thousands of years out of their natural image that really fit and adapted to the environment, to one that bred and, oh, we want them to do this. We want the cows to milk 100 pounds of milk a day. And I'm like, and now those cows have an average productive lifespan of about two years, and they are toast. They're fried. They're burned out, and they call them and send them off to McDonald's for burgers. Very sad. Yes, it is. And so, you know, we see the, you know, we have bred the domestic breeds into what we want them to be rather than what nature has so well designed the animals to be. In cattle, uh, they bred it to where the Florida heat, cattle, was it Charlet cattle that could stand that Florida heat? And like you said, they just, they took Mm -hmm. that natural Mm -hmm. adaptive ability out. Yeah. And the Brahma. And the Watusi are really, you know, are designed for high heat, mm-hmm. and they actually can sweat through their skin mm-hmm. where a normal cow cannot. So you don't take a black Aberdeen black Angus that you know was up in the no, you know northern Scotland or in in uh, and take them and put them in Florida. You see these black Angus cattle in Florida, and they're just not so happy anymore. You know, yeah, and they're not absolutely. so. But but that's they've been messed up way before that you know with thousands of years now of selective breeding by humans, so we've in a sense messed them up, and but we need to go back and look at the wild animals and uh, like we were mentioning they have adapted so well, and so that's what we need to do, and so this show we're going to be speaking about how we can adapt here in this season to the cold weather coming in, you know, the beginning of winter, uh, whether, wherever you live, uh, you know, we will be talking about how you can adapt here into uh, your climate. You know, we see so many people uh, in our office and uh, work with them to that keep those heaters under their desk going all year long. Yeah. I'm saying, I call them EMF devices, <laughs> <laughs> electromagnetic, you know, uh, toxins. Uh, and uh, how, and in the book, my, my book, The Healing Revolution, you'll uh, see where we talk a lot about uh, how to adapt by Dealing with how about something you know you'll think this is weird, but finishing out with a cool, refreshing, vigorous shower. You can take you can hang out in the heat of the shower as long as you're comfortable and you like it. But all today with technology, all we have to do is bring that on down. Start tightening up your pores of your skin. It's good for your hair. It's good for toning up your skin and your body. It'll help you as you age to keep your skin uh, alive and vigorous and toned. So, you know, it prevents what we call flabby skin. 
How about sagging skin? Okay, might get some people's attention here. <laughs> and, you know, by toning that up, you're not only toning up your outer part of your body, but you're also toning up your inner part of your body. You're awakening your thyroid to kick in the heater for the winter. Ah. And we'll talk uh, here at the show a little more about thyroid-related conditions. They, they really get, you see thyroid gets aggravated and, and you'll see problems in the as the weather begins to get cold. We see people, you know, if you have a low-functioning thyroid, you're going to be having those cold hands, cold extremities, feet. You know, you'll be feeling chilled to the bone. You're going to start realizing, I hate, you know, cold weather. But going to Florida, you might feel a little better for a while, but it doesn't fix the problem. And that's something that's very important to understand. We want to be able to fix this so that we can enjoy. And we're going to talk more about adaption. Think about, you know, what is called, uh, you know, the Eskimos. I loved cultural anthropology in school. I took all those and different types of anthropological studies, but cultural anthropology was always fascinating. And, you know, the Eskimos or the Inuit uh, natives, uh, also called the Yupik, uh, I believe, you know, natives, are common natives of what we call Eskimos, and, you know, lived in, in many times in, uh, you know, Arctic natural regions, huts yeah. or, or igloos. Yeah. You know, made out of ice. Yeah. We used to make igloos back home on a farm, you know. And we had oh, nice I bet snow. you did in Ohio. We got all yeah. those cardboard boxes, we'd pack them and, you know, up and flip them upside down and made beautiful bricks for igloos. And when I made igloos that were huge, we actually camped out in the wintertime in our igloos. And what a beautiful and wonderful experience. I'm envious. Uh, we always wanted to do that as kids, but we didn't have enough snow down here in the south. Yeah. You did. Up in the Great Lakes where I uh, was raised on a farm, uh, we got lots of snow and that igloo hung out. It didn't have to you know, melt in two, three days, you I know, bet. down. Uh, but... Uh, it was really quite an experience to, you know, get your sleeping bags and blankets and go out and sleep in the igloo. It was so, it was like sleeping in a sound room almost. You know, the insulation was oh, yeah. so, you know, it was so quiet. And I just yeah. remember my igloo experiences and fascinated about the igloos. When, you know, when you, uh, one of the fascinating things about uh, the Eskimo tribe that was traditional, that when you came and you were an invited guest into their home, they would have you, the guest was offered to sleep with the uh, the man's wife. How about that one for a unique uh, hospitality? <laughs> <laughs> Don't recommend that here. Okay, no. we want to be careful. But, uh, you know, lots of unique things about what you learn in cultural anthropology. <laughs> but by the way, she's in the igloo. She's a little cold. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that was why. I... <laughs> oh, but, you know... It... <laughs> Oh no, I know. <laughs> you you know, I really enjoy watching uh the uh, uh Alaska series on television, the oh. uh, Discovery Channel yeah. and and the and the real way of life of the Eskimos. Yeah. Do you remember the Enoch, I think it is. I'm getting a little flashback. This was a black and white film done way back and we watched I remember watching this in uh cultural anthropology classes that 
where he pulls up in this kind of like a big kayak, mm-hmm. and he gets out, and then his uh, wife gets out, and then like five or six kids get out, and then two dogs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? I mean, like, how'd they all fit in there? You know, and the way they pack into these. Um, you know, they're igloos and, you know, paddling across the water and pull up against an iceberg and they all get out. And, uh, you know, quite amazing you know, It things. is amazing. And how they adapted, though. This, this is yeah. the thing. There you go. How did they adapt? How did they live in an igloo? You know, how did they survive? How did they – they seem so comfortable in the snow. And you'll see when the you know weather starts to change a little bit, they're out there in shorts, <laughs> you know, in the snow, on the, on the icebergs. And – but they ate, you know, things that were local. They ate oh, yeah. things – blubber. Remember? Yeah. Blubber. Fat. Whale fat. Yeah. Yeah. Whale fat. Seal fat. I mean – Thinking about this, you know, that, but that's what adapted them to that environment, eating local. And we're going to talk about here when we come back about how to eat local and help us, one of the key ways to help us adapt. Because if we keep eating tropical uh, fruits all winter long and wonder why we're cold, think about it and we'll come back and explain more. Sounds good. Thank you for tuning in to The Healing Revolution with Dr. Frank King. We'll be right back. Dr. King's Natural Medicine features over 150 products specially formulated for everything that ails you, from allergies, memory loss, and fatigue, to sports performance and sexual health. Dr. King's Natural Medicine has been providing safe, natural medicines for the entire family for more than 25 years. Dr. King's products have no known harmful side effects, no known negative drug interactions, and no known contraindications. Dr. King's natural medicine products include oral sprays, topical oils, and topical creams. Visit kingbio.com for Dr. This King's is the full line revolution of healing on 880 products. The Revolution, Asheville's Progressive Talk. Welcome back to The Healing Revolution on 880 The Revolution and 92.9 The Healing Revolution with Dr. Frank King. And today uh, our show is focusing on the adaptivity of our uh, people to, to go to cold weather. And, and, and we're going to bring up the uh, seasonal adaptive disorder, too, in yes, here, Dr. Definitely. King. Yeah. yeah, it's time to adapt, and we adapt. We can learn to love the winter. One of the things I did, um, you know, is I went to school in Atlanta, and then I went back to uh, the Pennsylvania-Ohio border in a farm where I grew up near right between Cleveland, Ohio, and Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Okay. And uh, we were – and I was kind of like – I kind of da- – four years in Atlanta, I kind of think that was pretty nice, and I, and I was feeling um, – you know, it's also very cloudy in that part of the country. You get this great lakes effect on, you know, you know. So a lot of overcast days, mm-hmm. and I was noticing. I just, you know, wasn't as the joyful and happy without good old Doctor Sunshine most of my days. Okay, and that was. Uh, but it was also a depressed time, 
And But yeah, one of the things that really changed my attitude was I took up cross-country skiing. I remember you talking about yeah, that. Yeah, when I, you know, it's ways to learn to, okay, how are you going to adapt to your situation? And we all need to think how we want to adapt to life. And we're going to, this will probably be a multiple part series because there's a lot to adapt to when we're getting into the 21st century. There's a lot to adapt to with the change, you know, from the way we were designed to live primally and then came along the agricultural revolution. And that agricultural revolution where we started, you know, growing crops instead of hunting and gathering, you know, from nature, we started now growing crops and more grains, more carbohydrates, mm. you know, and, you know, you know, glute, more gluten. And that began to change, you know, a, a lot in a very short period of time. And then, of course, after the agricultural revolution, now we then we got into what? The, how about the industrial revolution? And came along a lot of toxins, you know, uh, you know, that we've created and a lot of inventing, you know, and we created uh, a lot of the heavy metal toxicities and, the, and you know, the pollution uh, of our water, of our soil, pollution of, you know, our air. And we, we started seeing, you know, a lot of changes occur from that as well. And then, of course, then we got into the information revolution, you know, and the technological revolution. And we now are dealing with things like EMFs, electromagnetic fields. We're dealing with things such as RFs, radio frequencies, like our routers and our wireless technology that, you know, the toxin that we have this wonderful love affair with. Okay. Really? And we're going to talk about how to have the best of both worlds in all these scenarios and how we can begin to adapt in the 21st century. It's about learning to adapt. You know, there's the better we adapt, the better we will be. Okay, the better we adapt to these things and how we can best adapt and adjust. And so we don't get overburdened with these things. Heavy metals will kill us. You know, they cause all sorts of things, all the toxins, all the, the things from the uh, you know modern day time is why we're having such chronic degenerative diseases, why cancer is going thousands of percent increase, why chronic disease has, you know, going over the top thousands of percent increase in chronic degenerative diseases. Now we can now, once we understand this, we're going to learn how to be powerful adapters where we don't have to go off and live in an igloo, <laughs> okay? <laughs> we don't have to go off and live off, you go off the grid right. out somewhere in the middle of nowhere, out of contact. You know, there are ways to have the best of both worlds and how to live intelligently in the 21st century so we don't fall prey to the modern day uh, toxins, the modern day predators, if you will. These, you know, the, you know, what the byproduct of the agricultural revolution, the industrial revolution, the technological revolutions, you know, because of all that, we really need what we call 
the healing revolution. And that's why I wrote this book called The Healing Revolution, so we can begin to be intelligent thinkers of how we can have the best of both worlds and be able to live intelligently. It was always the smarter ones that survived, you know, through time. Mm-hmm. The one that knew, the ones that knew how to stay away from those predators, uh, you know, like the saber-toothed tiger, for an example, how to, you know, avoid conflict with the bear and the lion, you know, how to avoid, you know, problems, you know, a sprained ankle from just not watching where you were going could be the death of you in in the primal times, you know, you would not make it you know, with the predators that are out there and how they adapted to those predators, how they adapted to, you know, their climates, how they adapted. uh, It was the key to survival. And so today it hasn't changed. The world didn't all of a sudden change with technology. We still have new challenges of how we adapt. And that's what we'll be speaking about here in probably the next few series uh, on this radio show about how we do adapt to the 21st century, not only to so we can survive, but we can even thrive in the 21st century. That's what we're going to be about, and that's going to be key to the success of our health, our family's health, and the future with our grandchildren and great-grandchildren. This is really intelligent, smart thinking. We're going to be talking about some insights here of how we can begin this journey wisely and not walk blindly into all the traps of, you know, modern day revolution that's been going on. You know, we don't, there's so many traps with toxins. Those are the predators of the 21st century, you know, and it's how we adapt, how we don't go too far away from nature that's nurtured us from the beginning of time. We'll talk about how we can do smart things to really find that, oh, we are prospering in the 21st century, you know, and uh, we can avoid all the diseases that are manifesting so abundantly in the 21st century. And that's going to be, we're going to become, you know, modern day survivalists. Uh, it's what I like so much about you, Doc, is, uh, you know, we, we talk about these modern day things, uh, conveniences, etc., that we're all addicted to. Uh, and you say, you know, you're coming to the table and say, you're not saying, just don't do that. You're, you're giving us ways to adapt, to change, mm-hmm. and to coexist, if you will. Well said, Randy. And with that, let's talk about diet. Okay. And diet is very important. You know, right now we can get any food from anywhere, anytime. <laughs> you know, you know, we can get, uh, you know, our orange juice every morning, you know. But does that, or is that a wise thing to perhaps do? It's the questions. Should we be having our pineapple? Should we, you know, be uh, eating tropical fruits and foods that don't, grow here, especially in this season. Now, certain things can store, and we can understand some of that, but in the form of fresh fruits, we kind of cut back on, our, you know, obviously tropical fruits in, in this season, because what do they do? Tropical fruits and foods in general, 
will adapt us to what? Hot weather, don't they? Yeah. If you want to cool off in a hot summer day, a little bit of, um, you know, pineapple, you know, a little bit of papaya, a little bit of mango, mango, orange, grapefruit, you know, all these things, you know, watermelon, they... Those cool us, don't they? They sure they do. They refresh us. They sure do. They help us adapt to the hot weather. Okay? It's not the type of day where you would want to eat all a bunch of meat. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know, that's not the time to be eating a lot of meat. You know, that's not the time to be eating you know, barley and the and the root veg a lot of root vegetables. Too much of that. Now, what that is do. Those adapt us to the cold weather, don't they? Yeah. Think of so. What did the Eskimos, you know, in these natives in cold lands, what did they eat? Did they eat pineapple? No, no they no. were going to the meat in the winter. They yeah. Elk and caribou and mm-hmm. yeah and blubber. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so you know that they were beautifully adapted to sleeping in a you know their house was made of ice <laughs> it's 40 and 50 degrees below zero up there yeah so you know they adapted beautifully with the diet that was around them and that's that's the beauty of nature and how it works we want to work with nature not against nature and so let's think about how we can work more with nature. What is it in today now that we can be doing to adapt to enjoy this cold weather coming forward? You know, to look forward to going to the ski slope or so go snowboarding or, you know, getting out, being outside in the cold weather and enjoying it, you know. And so what do we eat? If you're a meat eater, obviously you want to eat more Good natural meats, you protein. Know, good, yeah, purely raised, purely fed, you know, and it's and the purity comes with meat in two ways. Okay, one is uh, it's the lifestyle of the animal. Okay. How well did that animal live? Did it was it drinking pure spring water coming out of the ground? You know, was it eating beautiful native grasses? And so many of the grasses around here today are not native. They um, were created in universities and, you know, the early GMOs of the fescues and the, the grasses and things that are so prominent. And, and we took a lot of work to, to choke out the fescue on our farm and without, per, you know, using herbicides and to reseed with native grasses. And, and so we went to extra miles. And you don't see that with the really beware. The grass-fed meats that are out there today are grass-fed on fescues. Uh, and, you know, and they're not native grasses. They're GMO grasses. And so we want to be aware of those type of things. And, you know, so we work. So it's how the what the animal eats, drinks, and the quality of life of the animal is one type of purity. The second type of purity from the animal, and that's whether you're eating the meat or drinking the milks uh, from that animal, is the genetic purity of the animal. Like we touched on earlier, you know, is, you know, the wild animals have the genetic purity. Though the ones that survived the ice age go carry the genetics of the ice age that help us connect to our and awaken our healthy genetic expressions. You know, it's think of it this way: uh, th- we are all being 
taken away more from nature in the 21st century. And we are out of nature much further than what we ever were in the history of the world, you know, of, of, of human existence. And that being away from nature or you know, being with nature that long, when we get out of it, it's like taking polar bears from the Arctic and putting them in the Death Valley Desert. It's like they're not going to survive very long, logically. Think about that. They will not survive no. very long at all. And now that's, in a sense, what's slowly been happening to us. You know, now that we're, you know, we don't spend much time outside. Right. We don't spend much time with nature. It's hard to find some nature around us, perhaps. <laughs> True. You know, and so we need to get time with nature. Get, and so that is so important. And so let's think about you know how we can do that in today's modern lifestyle, whether you're living in a high-rise, okay, uh, sterile environment. And you notice, and there's studies showing kids being raised in sterile high-rise condos in the city. Mm -hmm. And not compared to, to not exposed to nature. Yeah. Compared to the Amish kids. Now, the Amish kids, and this is a multi-generational study. It goes back over 100 years and uh, as much as 200 years. And they see these Amish kids don't have very, very minuscule allergies compared to kids in the sterile environment. Got your uh, sanitary... Yeah. You know, gels and, and, right. and working to keep the germs away. And these kids are have the highest level of allergies by far. And so wow. that's just with exa one example. Uh, and you look at – and this is the Amish study. You can look up Amish and allergy study. And this is a multi-generational goes back to Amish, going back into Germany and Holland and places where the Amish migrated from and over the years. And – here in the country, and I grew up next to the Amish, so I really understand and appreciate the Amish very much. And we found that these guys, you know, they just didn't have allergies. And so uh, the, just one example, you know, now there are some things in their health that also are lacking, <laughs> you know, so. Sure. But, there's, but we can see some of the benefits of their natural lifestyle as well. So we want to be able to adapt and learn from these type of things, the test of time. It's as much more valuable insights than what a short-term clinical study can tell you about a drug. You know, it's really deceptive. And even though it's so-called double-blind crossover, that uh, those short-term studies only give you short-term biochemical manipulations that give you short-term, you know, symptomatic relief, but give you, leave you with long-term health issues. Just ask those people that took opioids for their pain when they had a surgery, Ooh. and now they're addicted. Uh, and so, you know, it's something we need to be very aware of. That's part of our being smart in the 21st century here. You know, we have to be wise because commercialism is outweighing, you know, the benefits of those who are supposed to be protecting us mm -hmm. are not really protecting us. You know, when the USDA that was designed to promote the farmer, okay, and now the government says, you know what, why don't you also protect the consumer too? <laughs> and it's like, wait a minute, something's wrong with that. Yeah. You know, that's like putting the fox in charge of the hen house.
So we want to be aware that, you know, government in general is not, you know, it's manipulated more by money, really. The money ends up ruling over the benefits of looking out for the purity of the people. And so we want to be aware of these type of things. And now going back, then let's think, what is logical in our diet? Okay, what is logical in our diet and, you know, to be eating in this season, what would be we? That's where we've gathered the you know, all the root vegetables and the what, remember the root cellars. Oh, did definitely. you have a root cellar, Randy? Right, yes, yeah, yes. I did too. And yeah. we go out potato. in a root cellar, yeah. And it had a you know we kept the carrots and the turnips and the and the potatoes and yep. uh, root rutabagas. Yeah. yeah. Okay, a lot of different all squashes. And, yes. Yeah. And those root vegetables. Uh, keep you know have a warming effect upon us, uh, isn't that interesting? Yes, it is. And and so along with pure meats, so purity of meats would be both pure from its lifestyle mm-hmm. as well its genetics. Those prehistoric animals that we talked about earlier are the best genetics that connect us to our genetic roots the the best and, and awaken healthy gene expressions. And the more we get away from nature, the more we take things and we see that creates negative gene expressions that create disease. Positive gene expressions create health, you know, from working with, you know, the our roots of nature. And then negative gene expressions create disease expressions. And that's when we get away from nature. And the further we get away from that, the more negative gene expressions manifest. And so that's basically the short story to understand. And we call that epigenomics. And that is where we see how we can change our gene expressions. You know, and according to how we, what we consume, what we eat, how we live, okay, too much stress will cause negative gene expressions if we don't manage stress properly. Uh, eating too much food away from the nat- from nature, okay, call it GMO foods, call it chemically laden, um, genetic, you know, changed food systems, processed foods, where we processed it so far and beyond and changed it from nature, if we could, just because of our convenience and being able to store it longer, or you know, or we put a patent on something and we created now margarine. Yeah. And now we see, oh, that was a bad move. You know, now, you know, with all the changes in our fat, all of a sudden now we've created, you know, we've changed these new fats and supposedly said, oh, they're healthier for you. And now we realize, oh, that's causing more dementia, more heart disease, and more problems. Getting back to the natural fats, feed the brain that is 80 plus percent fat, you know, feeds our nerves, feeds, you know, our heart, our circulation much better with natural fats. And they don't, fat doesn't make you fat. That's the, that was the big fat lie they told us. And... So we want to get back to nature again, and let's think, what other foods? So if you eat meats, eat wild meats, preferably, or grass-fed, that's hopefully on non-GMO grasses. That's hard to find, but we work hard to do that, and that's why we bring animals also. We bring our hay all the way from the Dakotas, where we get pure native Indian grasses, (laughs) blue, blue stem, 
uh, really? you know, and get these native grasses. And they're so much more nutritious. The animals are so much more healthy uh, on these hay, this hay through the winter than they are from local hay. We won't use local hay. It does not work well. And, and, and in the meat, you actually taste so much better from eating the native grasses. So it really is quite a fascinating thing that we, you know, in learning. And we learn a lot watching nature on the farm and that we can adapt for humans as well. So, you know, thinking of these adaptative things, root vegetables, okay, warming foods, barley is such a warming food, by the way. You ever have bar- a little bit of a barley stew or barley uh, soup, you know, and eat that? Boy, you know, I feel heated up. I take my shirt off. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it, it, these are, you know, really good warming foods. Others is spices, you know, natural spices like cayenne pepper. Love it. You love cayenne pepper? I do. You know, uh, turmeric? Uh, these are warming, heating, you know, they'll heat you up. You know, they measure, you know, the quality of cayenne pepper by BTUs. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's British a heating. thermal unit. There you go. And uh, that's you know, by thermal units here. Yeah. And, uh, and that's how you can measure. And taking cayenne capsules can help really warm you up I as bet. well. I bet. I hadn't thought about that. You can that. buy cayenne capsules. Yeah. And go down to Earth Fair. Get you some cayenne capsules, some turmeric capsules, you know, some of these spice and use these spices in your cooking. It's really wonderful. You have some good spicy uh, stews and soups, you know, with all these different root vegetables. Start look up all the different root vegetables there are out there. It's amazing how many different and learn how to. I mean, how when was the last time you had some rutabago in your in your soup? You know, Good question, some of the yeah. kale in some of these winter, these are things that grow. Kale won't grow in the hot weather. It grows in the cold weather. Hmm. That makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. Frost it's, tolerant. Yeah. Yeah. And it's there for you to adapt to the cold. Yeah. And so look up all these cold weather type foods and begin to implement those in your diet. Stay away from sugar. Refined sugar will cause you to get cold. It, it, it thins your blood. It gets you uh, where you you know it's hard to tolerate cold weather. So think of these kind of foods and begin you know creating these soups. And you can even make these soups in large quantities and freeze them, you know, yep. in bags and bring them out and uh, have. You know, soup, when you need to be on the fly and you're busy, you know, you still have good whole organic grown foods that you can tap into. And soup is one of the cheapest and most nutritious uh, types of foods you can eat. So diversify these soups. Look at all and just search out there all the root vegetables and learn how to implement and cook them. It becomes so easy, so fast. You adapt to the modern day life with real whole foods that will make a difference for you. Stay tuned. We'll take a break and be right back and wrap up our show today with Dr. Frank King on The Healing Revolution.
Dr. King's flagship farm is now open for tours. Located in Leicester, North Carolina, 15 minutes from downtown Asheville, Dr. King's tour promotes soil to sustenance. Visitors enjoy breathtaking views of the beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains with a variety of animals, including bison, African Watusi, elk, camels, deer, and yak. Feed milking camels and see rare white bison and marvel at the largest horned cattle in the world, the African Watusi. To make your reservations or for questions, please visit carolinabison.com. Welcome back to The Healing Revolution on 880 The Revolution and 92.9 with Dr. Frank King. And Dr. King, we uh, before we go wrapping up the show here today, we want to talk about a new uh, banner that's on the website at drkings.com, D-R-K-I-N-G-S.com. Yes, we got the radio show banner or on-air banner. Okay. Where you click on that, it'll give you, take you in where you can learn more about what we're talking about. You can learn more and about even some natural healing techniques that we do to help you adapt, okay, that we'll have on there. We'll also have some a free ebook that's on there. Uh, and we'll also have podcasts, that rela- related podcasts. Uh, to really help give you the you know substance, the the insights, the the knowledge, uh, you know, and even the natural remedies that you can implement into your body to help you become more adaptative, like that camel we were talking about. Yeah, so uh, no, you have to eat camels. You don't even have to drink their milk, but there's a lot of ways you can learn to adapt as well. So. Uh, go to that. Uh, our free ebook uh, is going to be about uh, supporting your uh, adrenal and thyroid. To, you know, these are factors that help you adapt. We're going to talk, be talking more about this in a, probably a series. I'm going to guess it could be three part series here. Okay, uh, maybe longer. And because uh, right now, this time of year, we're dealing with something with the thyroid gland. Our thyroid glands, which is kind Kind of like our heater, if you will. Mm-hmm. It keeps our metabolism up. And you measure under your armpit your temperature, and you'll find a lot of people are running too cold. And this is called your basal metabolic rate. Okay. And so your metabolism's running. You may say, oh, I think I have a slow metabolism. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm 300 pounds. <laughs> and, you know, and it's, but, you know, you know and right. Check your temperatures under yeah. your arms. You'll find if you're running slow, you're like going 20 or 30 miles an hour in a 60 mile an hour zone. Okay. And so you don't want to be doing that's tough life to live. And we're going to talk more about that here in this series. Okay. Uh, because when the cold weather hits, if you find yourself getting colder, easier, if you find yourself uh, feeling uh, chilled and or emotional, Oh, you find yourself, you know, all of a sudden start feeling more emotional, more sensitive, crying for no apparent reason, feeling sad, you know, feeling depressed. This all could be your thyroid because your thyroid gets challenged with the colder weather. It's like when your, your cold weather comes and your furnace kicks on in your house. Yep. The furnace is like your thyroid. Uh-huh. Okay. And if you're having furnace trouble, that's not good. 
<laughs> is it? That's you know, right. I don't want to go through the winter without a furnace. Nope. You know, without a heater, you know, a heating system of some type. And that's what your thyroid does for you. So along with that, I want to touch on one remedy. There are a number of them uh, that will be up on the website as we go through this. But they're called climate adaption remedies. Oh, and these okay. are these are specific remedies for, and we'll talk more about them in the series. But just to touch on them, one is called weather changes, and weather changes is for those people that seem to always get sick in the change of the weather. And there are I those people get yeah. sick. Yeah. If that's you, just start on that climate adaption formula right away. Uh, you know, and then there's another one that I hate the winter. The, the hate the winter people and the love the winter people. Okay, <laughs> the hate the winter people can help. You can overcome this with. You know, we're going to be talking about multiple ways to do this, like the diet we just spoke about. But all, and there's also a remedy for for our season here around Asheville. I uh, call it's called the uh, climate adaption cold damp formula. I said damp, did I? That's D A M P. Okay, yeah. So, okay, so, that's our winter, really. Yes, it, it is, is. Yeah. and you know, it's where you find that cold, damp weather kind of goes to your bones. You just feel chilled and cold, and you don't feel comfortable. That's a sign you're not adapting. And when we don't adapt, what happens? We eventually die. Mm. So we want to adapt. The better we adapt, a healthier, more vibrant life we will live. So these are it's not just the discomfort, but it is you know about really improving. It improves our overall health. It's called what we call. It improves our constitution, our inner constitution, our inner strength, our inner ability to adapt and be comfortable and enjoy the life we're living where we're living. Thank you so much, Dr. King. We invite you to join us uh, again next week as we continue the series called Adapting to the Cold Weather and Seasonal Adaptive Disorder. Remember the website, drkings.com, and remember to come back and join us next week on The Healing Revolution. As an author, lecturer, and whole health practitioner, Dr. King has a tireless passion for natural health and empowering people to reach optimal health and wellness. Dr. King's 40-year career as a natural healer is all about equipping you and your healing revolution. Go to kingbio.com to take free personalized health appraisals, including his whole person appraisal and candida test. You know your body best. So take back your health and awaken your healing power within. Learn more about the healing revolution by visiting kingbio.com, where you can sign up for Dr. King's free newsletter and join the healing revolution. A revolution never sends you an omen. A revolution just arrived like the morning. Bring the alarm, we come to wake up the snoring.